0: Hello, and welcome to a special edition of 15 Minutes to Change the World, where in 15 minutes or less, you can learn more about the world and how you can help to change it. I'm Barbara Grantham, the President and CEO at Care Canada and I'm excited to be bringing you a series of special edition episodes where I'm speaking with Canadian international assistance policymakers. These discussions focus on Canada's role in achieving a global gender-just recovery from COVID-19. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Garnet Jenis, Member of Parliament for Sherwood Park, Fort Saskatchewan, just outside Edmonton, Alberta, and currently serving as Shadow Minister for International Development and Human Rights. Mr. Jenis sits on the Standing Committee on Foreign Affairs and International Development. Welcome, Garnet, and thank you for joining us today.
1: Well, thank you. It's great to be here and uh, it's an honor to work in this important area. And I know there are many of the people listening are are doing so much in their own lives to contribute to this area. So I just want to say thank you right off the bat.
0: Well, thank you. So first off, I'm wondering, what, what would you say is Canada's role in the world at a time when we're dealing with such a significant crisis here at home?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the the crisis we're dealing with, uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic, it does underline for us the interconnections between what is happening in other parts of the world and what's happening here at home. I mean, obviously, the the pandemic uh, didn't uh, didn't originate here in Canada, uh, and we see how the ability of of other countries to respond to the to the pandemic, the ability of uh, of uh, lower middle-income countries to be able to get the resources to people to, to, to address the pandemic, especially, of course, the access to vaccines. Uh, this is going to have an impact for us here in Canada. Uh, and uh, it's just one of many issues where uh, what happens globally uh, comes home locally. And this is something that I, I talk about often in the context of, of international human rights, international development, uh, that, that a consciousness of what uh, is going on around the world matters to our health. It matters to our security. Uh, it matters to uh, to our economic well being as well. Uh, and uh, what, what's the Canadian role specifically? Well, I think we have a unique position uh, internationally. Uh, we are uh, part of a, a lot of the sort of major, influential uh, global cl- clubs of of, uh, of most developed nations. So we're we're part of the G seven. We're part of the G twenty. Uh, and and more broadly, of course, we're part of the Commonwealth, the Francophonie. and uh, we're also a nation. I think fairly uniquely in that club that does not have a colonial history beyond its uh, its borders. Uh, so our, our our engagement in uh, in Asia and Africa is, is is different and can be seen differently uh, because we we don't have a history of, uh, of setting up colonies in in those parts of the world. Uh, a lot of people have, I think, for too long seen Canada as you know we're a small country, right? I don't. I don't. I don't believe that. Actually, I think. I think uh, if you think it, t- it takes stock of our our relative uh, economic size, our our positioning, and our relationships in the world, uh, Canada can do more than just have a seat at the table. We can be a leader, uh, driving an agenda on on key priority issues, and we should be doing that.
0: Your passion for this work, for international development, and for international human rights. Not only is it really well-known, Garnet, but it just, it just comes through. Why are you so personally committed to international development? Where does your passion come from?
1: Well, I mean, I guess a lot of people are, a lot of Canadians are, are kind of instinctively interested in these issues uh, because they uh, have, have heard stories and they have, have seen uh, the realities of, of both the challenges people face, but also the, uh, the impact of, uh, of constructive engagement around the world. Uh, I also have some some family connections to serious human rights abuses, and and that has sort of catalyzed some of my interest in international engagement. Uh, my grandmother was a Holocaust survivor. Uh, both of my my wife's uh, parents uh, were uh, born in Pakistan from the Christian community there. So some of my initial kind of access to these questions came through those uh, those family stories, and and you know kind of then building out from there. Right, you you start to establish relationships and learn more in a particular area. When it comes to international development, I uh, I, I really believe in the connection between fighting poverty and fighting injustice. Uh, I think uh, in so many contexts, uh, people's inability to develop themselves is linked to injustices that are perpetrated against them. And it's the sort of more high-profile forms of injustice, uh, conflict, coordinated persecution of minorities, but it's also... Uh, the kind of everyday injustice that a lot of very low income people face you know I, I appreciate the opportunity I have within our caucus to uh, have this dual role around human rights and international development uh, they're both important and they're and they're deeply linked
0: thanks for that you you mentioned a little a few minutes ago about the interconnections of Canada with the world and and I'm curious what you see as the the consequences for Canada if we don't stay at that table, as you said, if we if we don't maintain uh, a leadership role in this global moment?
1: Well, so, I mean, I, I, I've talked uh, already about some of the, the health implications. Of course, the, the pandemic isn't going to be over until it's over for everybody. You know, one, one of the issues that I think people need to, to really take stock of is the security and, and strategic implications uh, that would result from uh, Canadian and more broadly Western disengagement from from international development. If we're not engaged, then we're seeding the field to uh, powers that are that are trying to create a world that is that is safer for authoritarianism and more hostile to human rights. Uh, and this is uh, particularly bad for the countries involved, uh, but it's also bad for our security and 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 bad for our interests. Uh, in recognizing that reality, it, it's all the more important that we be a, extending a hand of, of friendship and partnership, uh, working with countries in the global south to be able to uh, resist debt trap diplomacy from other actors and develop their, their economies in ways that are uh, consistent with, uh, with human rights norms and, and that uh, lead to good governance.
0: I'm wondering what your thoughts are, Garnet, about Canada's official development assistance and what you think, from your perspective, what are we currently doing well? And what do you think we could be doing better or differently?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, on the sort of overall level of ODA question, the level matters, but it's not the only thing that matters. So on the issue of, of levels, uh, as, uh, as our leader pointed out, uh, we're seeing as a, as a percentage of GNI less being spent today. Under the current government, than uh, was spent uh, in the recent past under under previous conservative government and also under other other previous governments in the past. But I think you know Canadians need to see the accountability around the impact uh, and understand that we are achieving significant results. and And I think in in, in many cases we are, but there are but there are areas where uh, there are improvements that are required. I know one thing that I hear often from the sector and something that that I agree with is that. Uh, Canadian engagement, uh, engagement with small and medium-sized Canadian NGOs uh, that are doing good work around the world, that strong connection to Canada, that are that are efficient, uh, that are uh, that are accountable to us here in a different way. Uh, working with those organizations is critical, and there's been a, a tendency uh, recently to sort of pull money away from from those kind of organizations, and instead to to be investing larger and larger portions of our dollars in Large multilateral UN-affiliated organizations, and it's it's not a, a complete either-or, of course. But with finite dollars, uh, if we want to be engaging Canadians in international development, then I think we have to be uh, very intentional about working with the Canadian organizations that are involved in this space. And uh, I think uh, that engagement of Canadians uh, that uh, you know is it, important. Uh, we want to build on the Muskoka Initiative uh, that was that was launched previously. That. Emphasizes support to, uh, to women and girls. There's, there's sort of, I think, a, a, a multi-party agreement on, on the value of that focus. Uh, and, and I would like to see us do more on issues of, of, uh, of justice, justice system reform, human rights, uh, peace building, uh, conflict prevention. Uh, I think uh, there's a real need for, for growth and engagement in that area as well.
0: Thanks, Garnet. It's interesting just to pick up on your last point. We, we know, you know, uh, all of the data has shown us coming coming over the last 12 months that, that women and girls have been very disproportionately affected by the pandemic, not only here in Canada, but around the world. From your perspective, what, what does that look like? What does a recovery that really is what we call gender just, that really uh, doesn't leave women and girls behind, what does that look like? What does that mean for Canada?
1: In the international context, it means that we... You know, continue to be diligent and focused on uh, the the rights of women and girls in every context where we work. Uh, that we we recognize the the, the the different impacts of of different kinds of discrimination in different contexts, and uh, that we uh, really work collaboratively with countries and with local communities and and local organizations in in responding to these issues. I think it's uh, it's always important on on this many other human rights issue. Uh, not to take a, uh, a "we know best" from a distance type of approach, but to really uh, try to engage with uh, with local people and local organizations uh, to identify how to uh, em- empower them and, uh, and and align with the kinds of objectives that uh, that people have in uh, you know in local communities. Uh, also, just to, to recognize some of the the intersections that exist between uh, different issues. There's a lot of discussion about. Uh, education and about uh, women having access to education uh, there's a connection between education and security that that people are uh, they struggle to access uh, educational uh, opportunities if they don't have security getting to and from uh, those opportunities there's also sometimes an overlay between discrimination against minorities and discrimination against women. We see uh, many cases where women from uh, ethnic and religious minority communities are are targeted for abduction for forced conversion uh, so uh, recognizing the interconnect between human rights and, and empowering local communities and a localized response uh, with with our support would be some of the guiding principles that I would uh, keep in mind. Why the local
0: emphasis? You you said a couple of times, really collaborating with with countries directly, with local organizations, with local communities. Why, why that emphasis on the local?
1: I, I don't mean the sector so much, but I think politicians who are talking about this, uh, you know, they they want to be seen as the heroes and. Um, you know, We have the whole problem with the direction and control uh, system, which is kind of a CRA administrative uh, aspect of, of, uh, of development that I think desperately requires reform. Uh, but, but some of our structures are oriented around this mentality of development as being something that, that we do uh, for other countries or, or to other countries, uh, other individuals. Uh, I think I think we need to kind of decolonize the the discourse in that sense. We need to recognize that uh, that the heroes of the development story are the communities themselves, the individuals who are who are struggling to overcome barriers and, and build up their own uh, their own position, uh, and that we can play a role in helping, in supporting, in uh, in in working to remove barriers and uh, and celebrating the the struggles and the success that that those individuals are are achieving. Uh, and and also, I I am um, a big believer in the principle of subsidiarity that uh, communities, the, the people that are sort of closest to a problem, uh, are are most able to understand it and identify a, a a targeted solution.
0: What are the tangible actions that each of us as individuals could do on a daily basis to to bring about a better world for everybody?
1: Yeah, I no, don't. Th- thank you for that important question. Um, C- Canada leading in the world is not just about what governments do. So uh, asking government to be engaged in this space is, uh, is not the fullness of what, what, what people's engagement should, should be. I mean, I think uh, government has a, has a critical role, both in, as, a, as a supporter of international development, but also uh, using its diplomatic resources to, to connect uh, the, the financial support it's providing with, with uh, advocacy for human rights improvement uh, and, uh, and for the advancement of justice. Uh, we know that that so many Canadians are contributing financially and are involved in other ways in, in international development work. And uh, I want to salute that, obviously, and encourage people uh, during these challenging times to to be able to uh, invest from their own resources in uh, making the world a, a better place. Uh, and, and I know different people have, have very different circumstances during this, this time. And I think we should all work to do what we can to help uh, help those who are struggling. Uh, Canadian leadership manifests itself through individual support as well as through uh, the actions of government. Uh, and one of the things government needs to do to, to empower that is uh, it, it's work to reduce red tape for uh, organizations working in this area, uh, work to, to better facilitate the, the uh, contributions of individual donors. Uh, and I mentioned reforming direction and control, uh, I think, uh, you know, another thing is, is uh, trying to work with uh, people who, who give remittances to, to explore ways of maximizing the development of impact of remittances. Uh, there are many, many areas I think we can identify for greater collaboration between Canadian organizations, Canadian donors and governments to, to maximize the impact of what we're all doing together.
0: Thanks, Garnet. Thank you very much for joining us today. Well,
1: well thank you for this opportunity. And, and most importantly, thank you for all the the good work that you and your supporters are doing.
0: Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. Thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in. You can look forward to more special edition episodes of 15 Minutes to Change the World with Canadian policymakers. And you can find all the episodes of 15 Minutes to Change the World on Spotify, iTunes, and at care.ca backslash podcast. Thank you for listening.